Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Basically, It's Biblical. Greetings, everyone. Shabbat Shalom. And I just want to say thank you for participating and sharing the episodes of this podcast. Basically, It's Biblical, because it is ever increasing in the importance of our testimony and our witness that we share the word of God with one another and with as many people as we are led by the Holy Spirit to do so. So thank you again for joining me and thank you again for your participation in spreading the word of God and thank you for Uh, You know, just listening, tuning in, sharing your comments, your questions, uh, you know, clicking that like button to show me that you like what you're hearing. And also, um, you know, letting me know when you don't. (laughs) I appreciate all of those, um, all of your input. And before we go any further, let us begin with a prayer. O Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Lord, we thank you. Though we know that there are many people listening tonight all over the world, particularly uh, those places hard hit by pandemics and epidemics and weather disturbances and poverty and famine and just so much war, violence, pain, grief, death. We know that it is all out there, Lord. We know that there are people suffering in many states in the United States because of the grave, cold winter weather. We know that there are people all over the continent, all over the world, experiencing all kinds of uh, disasters, man-made and natural. But in all of this, Lord God, we know, we know with great, great, you know, great, just great, we know with great depth of of our conviction in our heart that despite all of this, Your word is true. Your word is faithful. You are faithful because we see it every day. We see it, Lord God, that you're faithful when you do provide. We see, Lord God, that you are faithful when the sun comes out. We do, Lord God, see that you are faithful when our needs are met. Our needs, maybe not our wants, but our needs. Lord, we know that you are faithful. We are encouraged that you are faithful because we can see that you still have mercy on us. You still do not give us more than our soul and our bodies can bear. We see, Lord God, that you are faithful because you not only provide for us, but you sustain our minds, Lord God, because Some people 
would not be able to endure emotionally, but you give us the ability to endure. Lord God, we see that you are faithful because you give us the ability to stand in the times of trials and tribulations. You alone, O oh God, provide us with the strength. You alone, O oh God, are the source of our bravery, the source of our strength, the source of our minds to be stable, the source of our will to be strong, facing all of these trials and tribulations. We know that you are faithful, O oh Lord, because you have sent the Holy Spirit to empower us with knowledge, to give us peace through all of your scriptures and your statutes, your word that comforts, your word that is a balm to our soul and spirit and body. Lord, we know that you are faithful because you gave us your son, Jesus the Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, to stand in our place and endure the trials of the cross so that we could have an opportunity to just come before you, Lord God, and we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for, if this is all that we have, this opportunity, O oh Lord. We thank you that if this is our last day, if this is our last breath, we know that we have stood with you, and most of all, Lord God, that you have stood with us. We thank you, Father. We know that you have the ever presence of your spirit and the holy angels surrounding us, guarding us, removing and keeping away from us all manner of demons and spiritual devils and, and, and principalities that would come against us. We ask you, Lord God, to continue to put your hedge of protection around each person who is listening, around each person who shares in the word of God, around each person who stands in the time of trouble, around each person, O oh God, who professes your name with in spirit and in truth. We thank you, Lord God, for that protection, that covering hedge of your Holy Spirit that keeps away all demonic spirits, keeps away all manner of evil, keeps us from the wolves and the lions at the door, keeps us from all those that would tread upon us. And when I say keep us from, I know, Lord God, that we may have to endure it, but you give us the ability to endure it. And we praise your name for it, O oh God. We thank you for that strength because we know we need it. We need your strength, O oh God. We need your peace, Lord God. Not the fleeting materialistic peace that the world offers, but peace in our soul, peace in our mind, peace in our heart. Oh God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for your comfort, O oh Lord. We thank you for your arms of mercy surrounding us and protecting us. Lord God, we thank you for that. Thank you. We thank you, Lord God, for standing with us when no one else stands with us. 
We thank you, Lord God, for covering us when no one else would cover us. We thank you, Lord God, for providing strength and determination, conviction in your word, strengthening our minds with the word of truth and the sword of faith. Thank you, O God, for covering us with the blood of your son, Jesus. And thank you, Lord God, for seeing us through the mirror of his body. Not looking on us as we deserve. Not punishing us as we deserve. But forgiving us for our sins. And giving us the ability to stand in the day of trouble. We thank you, O Lord. We thank you for food on our tables. We thank you for bills being paid. We thank you for our needs being met. We thank you for giving us the ability to encourage others. Thank you for giving us the ability to reach out to our neighbors and protect them and provide for them. We thank you for the ability, O oh Lord, to, to just make a phone call or give a, a text message in these days or an email, Lord God, or we thank you for that ability because we know that we are not guaranteed anything in this life. But it's because of you, Father, that we have and we have the ability to stand. And we just praise your name, Lord God. We worship you and we glorify you. We ask, Lord God, that you would continue to fill our minds with discernment, with truth with wisdom. We thank you, Lord God, for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and giving us the ability to go on with the hope, the blessed hope of the return of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We look forward to the fulfillment of your promise, O Lord. And we ask that you would continue to give us strength and encouragement until the last trumpet. In the mighty and matchless name of Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, we pray and we receive your blessing. Amen and amen. I'm sorry, people. <laughs> Ooh, just sometimes, you know, The spirit of the Lord just uh, just fills you, and you just you have no <laughs> you have no you have no other choice but to but to uh, to to give yourself over to the power of the Holy Ghost. And I just praise I praise God for it. I do I do <laughs> have some things that I want that I want to cover. So the things that I want to comment about and. Uh, Oh, excuse me uh, again. Uh, I I have gotten some um, some comments and uh, questions, and you know um, it's interesting that through our lives, uh, and I think I have said here in your presence before that um, you know we 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 really are not uh, or should not one of those shoulds take any any part of our lives for granted 
you know, I, and particularly what I mean is our relationships, our interactions, even the interactions, you know, with a stranger on a, on a bus or a stranger in a, a food line, you know, the grocery store or at the gas station or, you know, someone at work or, you know, our coworkers or, or anyone in our environment, even, even your interactions with your pets, if that's what you have, because all of them are important and they are, are teaching teaching moments. I had a, uh, as you, many of you probably, oftentimes you meet with family or friends and so forth, and you have a variety of conversations, and, uh, and it's such a blessing to receive insights and uh, information from, you know, just uh, so many, so many sources we have uh, in our conversations and so many sources, uh, you know, as we have been given uh, computers, internet, you know, uh, television, radio, if you still listen to those, <laughs> uh, you know, all, all of the podcasts, uh, books, everything that we have, but we should not take them for granted. And um, I'm ever, uh, ever uh, just, just blessed by the abundance of wisdom that is that that surrounds me even in just what people would consider as you know mundane activities uh, preparing a meal or you know uh, conversing you know over coffee or something like that and sometimes some of the most simplest some of the seemingly simple statements or interactions have a tremendous impact or can have a tremendous impact, particularly if you are looking at those situations or that those conversations and listening to them. And I mean truly listening, uh, you know, an interactive listening, uh, not just a passive listening, you know, as you thumb through your text messages, you know, you're overhearing a conversation or, you know, many of us uh, so caught up in multitasking that we're not focused on the activity, you know, taking the time to stop and really listen and be involved in, in, ex in an exchange. Um, and so throughout the week and uh, throughout uh, the month uh, so far of, of this month, there have been many, many interactions, and I'm sure that you, you as well are, you know, impacted by all of the things that you hear and see and uh, uh, conversations that you might have. But have you ever had that that conversation, you know, that or that in, impacted by a story you're listening to, news or radio or such, or something you're reading, and it just, it just hits you in a way uh, that gives you pause. I mean, you just... It strikes you as, oh, wow, you know, the impact is so great, striking you maybe from a different direction. Perhaps a familiar, you know, topic, but coming at you from a different angle. And so, I was having some conversations and reviewing some questions and comments. And it occurred to me that people 
often talk about wanting to be more um, more godlike in terms of not, and I don't mean you know having power and you know magical abilities and that sort of thing, but just more more godlike in their interactions, more godlike in their own lives, striving really ardently, and I believe that deep down most people really seek to please the Lord, even if they don't haven't really acknowledged him directly, uh, because God gives us an inner knowing uh, of his presence and of his His majesty. Uh, so we do seek to, you know, most of us who, who have not, who, who still have a conscience, right, and who still have empathy, uh, compassion, mercy, etc., are still looking to, you know, not necessarily please man, you know, people, just in a, you know, I want to please people, and I want them to, to like me and love me, you know, that, that element is there, but I mean, I mean, genuinely be loving, you know, to one another, and 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 wanting God to to love us, and we and learning to love Him through our 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 activities and our our, our behaviors and so forth. And so, while listening uh, and participating uh, through from through from conversations and and then reading some comments and questions, uh, it, it occurred to me that maybe it's in the how do I apply, right? We've, we've read so many scriptures on uh, walking in the spirit. Uh, we've read scriptures on, you know, uh, love God with all of your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbors as yourself, you know, even love your enemies. But how do, you, how do we apply it, right? We've talked about, you know, what about, what about the sin in our lives? What, how do we, how do we uh, manage them? Well, Perhaps I have made some assumptions that some people, you know, that people know about these things. Perhaps we just in general in our conversation presume that people know that their actions are in a given area. And one of those areas that came up recently was the area of carnality. And we, you know, people say the word carnal. They've heard the word carnal. You've maybe read the word carnal in the Bible. Uh, but what does it what does it mean? So I want to uh, just kind of uh, give a brief, a real short uh, lesson, if you will, uh, study on this idea of carnality, uh, because many people don't know that it is at the root of uh, of our actions. It, it, hopefully, less so as we become you know, more inspired of the Holy Spirit, but it, it is at the root of most of sin. It's that idea of carnality. So what is carnality? And let's look at Romans 8, um, starting around verse 5. And here is a, the, probably one of the best definitions, uh, explanations perhaps in the, in the scriptures that I have seen. And it starts with, Romans chapter 8, looking at about verse 5, and we'll go probably through verse 13. So it says in the King James Version, 
for they that are after the flesh do not mind I'm sorry, do mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the flesh do, what does it mean when you say do mind? Like little parents might have said, mind me, right? Like listen to me, adhere to me, follow what I'm saying. So those people who are after the flesh follow, listen to, pay attention to the things of the flesh. That's the first that's the first clause. Then it goes on. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Those people who are after the spirit mind the things of the spirit. So he goes on. For to be carnally minded is death. Now, we have seen what else is equated to death. Sin. Yes, I'm so glad you responded to me. I can hear you out there answering the question. Okay, so <laughs> to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and an added blessing, peace. Life above all and peace. Now, we're again not talking about the peace that the world wants to give, the peace that's here today, gone tomorrow, here for one second, gone to, you know, gone the next second, you know, one hour you're up, the next hour you're down. I'm not talking about that because when you're walking in the spirit and you're walking with God, the joy that he gives you surpasses all of that. Even in the midst of trials and tribulations, you, you know, you've seen people, they can chuckle, right? Or they smile. In in the midst of what they're going through, they tell a joke, or they have a smile on their face, or they you know re they seem to be relaxed and not tense, right? Not not frustrated. So the more the more you see yourself experiencing some of those things, you can you can probably say to yourself, "Oh, I am not in the spirit right now, right?" When you're tremendously frustrated, when you're tremendously angry, expressing you know some just some. Uh, thoughts and you know wanting to, 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 to express some emotions that are not uh, uh, loving right you can say to yourself oh I'm not in the spirit right now because those are things that are really fleeting and they are really dangerous and sometimes they can be deadly right so we know that those are not of the spirit but so as we read on because the carnal mind in verse 7 is enmity against God. So now what is the carnal mind? We have to go back to the beginning. For they that are of the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. So carnal, again, relating to fleshly things. And those fleshly things, thoughts, actions, are at odds with or enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So, in other words, if you're if you're walking in those fleshly things, attitudes, behaviors, it is at odds with God, and 
and and you probably run across people who you know want nothing to do with God. I don't want to listen to God. I don't want to listen to His laws. Don't want to listen to anything He has to say. Don't tell me about the Bible. I don't want to hear any scriptures. You know, don't tell me about anything. First of all, I don't believe in God, and this is why. You know, it says it right here. Not only is it against God, but it is not subject to the law of God. I mean, just think about it. If you are not a member of God's kingdom, you're not subject to his laws. You know, just as if uh, if you're living in Germany and you're a German citizen, then you're not subject to the laws of the United States until you travel to the United States, right? And then even there, I think there are some exemptions. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't, I don't know those things, but, uh, you know, I think there's some nuances about even that, right? But if you go to, if you go to Spain and you are a, a citizen of Spain or you're visiting Spain, then you are subject to the laws of Spain. So here we are living in this world, this kingdom, the worldly, earthly kingdom, and while we live here physically, we are subject to the rules and laws of the, you know, the scientific part of the world, the, uh, the mechanisms in the world. And then if you live in the United States or Germany, you're subject to those laws because you're a member of that kingdom. Well, on top of that, those people who seek the Lord, who want to walk with the Lord, are then members of his kingdom. And he says that his kingdom over, you know, is over and above everything that is here on earth. So if you're, and he also says, and we've read in all these uh, past weeks, that if we are, if we are pleasing God, who is the father and creator of all, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, Right, who who is in control of the entire universe? Not only did he create it, but he is he is so sovereign and so faithful that he is taking part in maintaining it, ruling over it. Right. We also, if we're pleasing him, then we are satisfying all the other laws. Isn't that a beautiful? Isn't that a beautiful thing? Very simple. Really, when you think about it, if you are maintaining and staying and establishing and enduring with the word of God, obeying all of his laws in his kingdom, the kingdom that supersedes all other kingdoms, right? Because he is the king of kings. And if you're a king, you have a kingdom. He's the king of kings. If you are and it makes it so simple to live. If you are living by his standard, then you are in essence meeting all the other standards because his standards, his laws supersede all those others. If you are and have agreed to his invitation, have accepted his gift to be part of his kingdom, so then if you're part of his kingdom, then you're subject to his laws and statutes and rules and so forth. But if you are walking against his kingdom, you've not accepted his kingdom, not accepted his gift, then you're saying, I'm not a, I'm not a citizen of that, of, of 
the Lord's kingdom. Therefore, I don't have to pay attention to his laws. I don't have to think about God's laws. I don't have to think about God's rules. I don't have to do any of those things. And this scripture says it very clearly. If you're carnally minded, fleshly minded, worldly minded, you are against God. For it is not subject. It is not subject. The it, the carnal mind, is not subject to the law of God. It is not subject. The fleshly, worldly mind, attitudes, and behavior is not subject to the law of God if you're not a citizen of his kingdom. Neither, indeed, can it be. Makes no sense for it to be, right? So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, it makes it very clear. So then, what is in the flesh? What is in the flesh? Um, the word carnal most uh, is mostly associated with the Spanish uh, definition, or the Sp- it derives from Spanish. The word carne, and if any of you have, uh, you know, uh, Spanish restaurants, Cuban, Puerto Rican, etc., you'll see carne, you know, in many of their uh, descriptions of their of their menu items, carne, right? Carne is meat. Carnal is where we get the 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 word carnivorous, meat eating, right? Carnivorous, meat eating. So now we're getting close. We're talking about some very base stuff here, right? Very low, low level kind of activities here. Uh, you know, not not high minded, right? Carnally minded is to live after the things that, and and this is straight from the dictionary. Carnally minded is to live after the things that animals live for. Now that may sound very harsh, right? But what does that really mean? What are things that animals live for? So we're talking about some very basic kind of needs here, more bodily needs than spiritual needs. Animals are not spiritual. They may have a spirit, but they're not spiritual. Animals are not necessarily rational, although they have, um, you know, there are some very smart animals, but they're not necessarily rational in in, in having uh, the ability to um, to logic you know decide make decisions right they're doing things how are animals making their decisions they're making decisions simply from the attitude of survival and and going with their their instinct their baser instincts right uh, and those primarily uh, surround what activities <laughs> right eating animals are are, are you know I, I've watched these squirrels in my backyard, and boy, they will play. It seems to me that they're playing, but in the midst of their playing, they are scrounging up those uh, little acorns. They're running around grabbing, you know, things to eat, and they're running around. They're they're jumping around and all their activities, but all of it, in essence, and all their jumping around leads them right to this one. There's this fruit that's hanging on my neighbor's tree, and I don't know what it is, but they're constantly trying to get to this fruit, and they're 
You know, all of these activities are around eating, surviving, living, and what else? Procreating, mating, and, and producing other squirrels. So we're talking about some very, you know, very basic, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, survival kind of things. So then, so now we're getting, uh, how does this apply to us? To be carnal minded, opposite of the spirit. If you're mainly, your focus is mainly on worldly, temporal, secular, merely human pleasures of appetite, sensuality, passions of the flesh or the body, mainly refers to uh, spiritual, uh, uh, not spiritual, but sexual needs, sexual urges, sexual attractions, sexual satisfactions, just about food and meat and, you know, having the, all the uh, delicacies and the, um, the you know, the, 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 quote, better things in life, all around sensual kinds of things, bodily, fleshly kinds of things, all about pleasures, merely human, Temporal is a very another good word because much in this life is temporal. In other words, it's fleeting. It's here today and gone tomorrow. Right? One day we like chocolate ice cream, we love it to death, we eat so much of it and then we can't like it anymore, and now we don't eat chocolate ice cream anymore for another oh, maybe two weeks, right? <laughs> Somewhere around. But it's very temporal. Very very a very temporal a temporary situation much as our lives are here on this earth very temporary i mean most of us if we're blessed we live 70 years maybe 80 years and and usually you know it's very rare now to find someone that lives beyond 110 say or 120 years so we're talking about a life that you know if if you believe that we have been here for billions and billions and billions of years or the earth is that old then 120 is but a, 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 you know, snap your fingers and that's 120, right? Blink your eyes and that's 120 in comparison, right, to that billion. Even in comparison uh, to, to uh, you know, the thousands of years. Some, you know, the belief is that, that we, we only have 7,000 years. So if we have 7,000 years, then 120 is even less than, right, less than 1%. <laughs> right less than one percent of that seven thousand years so we're talking about a just a heartbeat you know a snap a second a, a picosecond a nanosecond in comparison very temporal and it's funny that we we as creatures um place so much uh importance you know so much so much stock so much emotion so much expression so much time and money into that one instance that one second that short-lived time you know because you if you eat something that you really have been waiting for this is a such a, a crazy phenomenon to me you can you know you can really be uh in the mood for you know a good piece of uh pie right and I mean, you've been wanting this piece of pie for weeks, and finally you get the piece of pie. 
right? And you see the piece of pie and you're ready to eat the piece of pie. And you and you start eating the piece of pie and you're you're savoring it because it tastes so good and you know everything that's going on in your mind, your emotions, your body, you're, you know, you're chewing up this piece of pie, and then all of a sudden the pie is gone. And that's it. You know, it took you all of you know five, ten minutes to eat this slice of pie. It's gone. But look at look at all the activity and all of the energy that went into obtaining that piece of pie, getting it and then eating it. So clearly you spent more time and money and energy getting, obtaining the piece of pie than you were able to enjoy the moment of eating the piece of pie. You see what I mean? Very temporal, very fleeting these things are that we put so much effort in. But look if we could put so much of that same effort in studying the word of God, in prayer, imagine what would the joy and peace, because this this scripture just said that we would have life and peace if we were spiritually minded. Look at the immense amount of joy and peace, life that you could have if you took the same effort, amount of time, and amount of money, and put it into spiritual endeavors, reading the Word of God, studying, not just reading, studying the Word of God, praying, being in relationship with the Lord, building that relationship such to the point that you could recognize His voice, and he recognized your voice. Imagine when we call out to God, being that he we have such a relationship with him that he re- oh yes, that's my that, that's my child calling. That's my child. Being in such a relationship with God that we we can literally complete his sentences because we are so familiar with his patterns, with his ways, with his established words and the meanings of his words. Imagine if you if all the money that you spent on all the other activities in your lives, and I, you could just take one. Some people spend six dollars on a cup of coffee. Every day. Six dollars on a cup of coffee every day. Right? So what is that? Six times thirty is what? Hundred eighty? Hundred eighty dollars? Hundred eighty dollars per month on a cup of coffee. Have you spent a hundred and eighty dollars a month on obtaining or growing your spiritual relationship and developing the things of the spirit in your life. Well, you say I don't I don't I don't spend six dollars on a cup of coffee. Okay, but what about that dollar twenty on a uh, bottle of Coca Cola or some other soda, some other beverage? I mean there's some bottles of water that cost $2, what about those bottles of water? And do you only just buy one bottle of water, one bottle of soda? Well, what if you buy two bottles of soda per day? 
at $2 a bottle. Okay. For the week, that's over $14. For the month, that's close to $90. So do you have you spent $90 on developing your spirit, your relationship with God? And let's not even stop there because the cost and the and the involvement in obtaining that cup of that cup of dough for six dollars or that bottle of water or sodas for two dollars, you had to work for that, or you you know you got the money from some other means. Maybe you have uh, you know some other income. Uh, so and then you have to go get it, or maybe in these days and times you're ordering it. So there's a few moments on your computer ordering it or your phone ordering it. Then you're spending time waiting to get it, not to mention the time that you put into you know, earning the money in order to get the item, right? So there's a lot that we have involved ourselves with. We are we are emotionally invested, many of us emotionally invested in so many activities that do not lend themselves to life and peace in the spirit. So when we're talking about being carnally minded, being fleshly minded, the idea is, do you put in more effort, time, and money in developing the things of the spirit of the spirit more than you put into time, money, and effort in building and obtaining things of the flesh? Those things that are fleeting, those things that are temporary, those things that are just about pleasures, human, worldly, secular activities referring to sexual needs and urges and attractions referring to the the appetite delicacies uh you know <laughs> i had someone say to me uh i think within the last month or so um the person made you know made this comment it was very interesting she said uh you, know, you you never can't have too many, and she was referring to me, mind you, you never can't have too many places to sit. <laughs> right? <laughs> when you think about it, <laughs> when, uh, particularly as, as, as I'm retired, you think about it, you know, you go from one place in your home and you sit, you go to another place in your home and you sit, you go to another place in your home and you're sitting. So, you know, when I thought about it, and this is one of those things, those 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 moments that I was thinking about. This this is all about me. Understand? Uh, this not this is not directed toward you or any particular person. I was thinking about this comment that was made to me in terms of my carnality. What have I been putting my time into? Right? And it, it occurred to me, okay, that there were at least three places that I had, you know, to sit. And how much time and effort went into developing, establishing, procuring those places to sit. And was I putting into, was I putting into developing my spirit, my relationship with God, that much effort, that much emotional involvement, that much time, you know, devotion, earning the money, spending the money, finding the thing, and then finally sitting on the thing, right? And then, and then to sit on the thing, and then for it to still not be <laughs> the thing that gr gives me the most, the most, you know, the greatest joy, 
right? Because I mean, we find that, right? You finally get that piece of pie, you, 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 that you've been craving, you love it, you eat it, you enjoy, and it's gone in a moment, in a flash, and then you think to yourself, huh, you know, <laughs> it was good, but now it's gone, and was it really, you know, did it really make me as happy, happy, or emotionally fulfilled as I thought I was going to be, you know, after having that piece of pie? And so here's what I'm trying to get us to think about this. You know, and are you spending most of your time in that carnal element? Because if you are, then you can see how this leads to other sins. If you are spending a lot of time developing, creating, procuring, buying, finding things that are fleshly, temporal, worldly, and secular, and most of your time and effort is spent getting, obtaining, and experiencing those things, then you have, in essence, committed idolatry, right? If there's more of that than there is of the Spirit. So people say, well, I don't, I don't worship other gods. I don't have another god. I, only God. God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. And then people that go around and they, you know, I love Jesus. They've got the pin, the scarf, the hat. I love Jesus. But are they spending more time in this carnal nature, this worldly, secular, fleshly nature? Remember that Jesus said, uh, you know, it's not just about the body and the clothing and the food that goes into the body. What did he say? It's about what comes out of the body. So, you know, if you are spending all of this time on these fleshly, bodily, material secular, worldly, temporal things, pleasures, activities, passions, appetites, then you, then you are on the spiritual relationship with God, then you are in essence being idolatrous. You're putting all of that over and above your relationship and your, your, you know, developing your spirit All of that carnal stuff, all of that effort. And so if you have eight hours in a day, just eight, not, let's not even use the 24, right? But if you have eight hours in a day and eight of those hours is spent on fleshly, pleasure, appetite, spiritual, secular, worldly, temporal, fleshly, appetites, passions, you know, got to buy this, got to have that, got to want to have this, want to have that, got to have this, got to have, you know, all that stuff, right? Whether it's sexually sexual or, or oriented, or whether it's just you know pleasure oriented or uh, appetite oriented, or you know just merely on survival, because what else did Jesus say to to the devil when he offered him up those temptations? There's more to this world than bread, right? Basically, it's more to there's more to this world than bread. There's more to life than bread, essentially. You know, of course, I'm paraphrasing greatly, right, on that that particular scripture. 
But if you're spending more time on those things, then you are, in essence, committing idolatry. And let's look at it. Let's look at Colossians 3. Um, oh, um, before, we, before we leave Romans, let's go on, I should say. I don't want to get too scattered here, as I have want to do. So in verse 8, it says, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You cannot please God. Why can't you please God? Because of what we just said. You are, in essence, being an idolater in all of this carnality. But ye are not in the flesh. Those who are walking with God are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, if so be that the spirit of God dwells in you, now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is more, he is none of his. So if you're in the spirit, if you're walking with God, if you're giving more to the spirit, your development, your relationship with God, then God is dwelling in you, the scripture says. But if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is not his. So in two places, it has said, if you are in the flesh, you cannot please God. If you are not in the spirit, he is not yours and you are not his, right? And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. In other words, if you're walking in Christ, if you're walking with God, if you're developing your spirit, then you're not subject to sin because what we, what did we first outlay? The first outlay was that if you are in God's kingdom and you are a citizen of his kingdom and you are walking with him and worshiping him and praying and studying and having a relationship with him then and pleasing him, then you are in essence not sinning. Right, you're not breaking any of the laws of the earth because you're pleasing God and 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 obeying His laws. Number one, and you're also most of all obeying His laws, and obeying His laws therefore leads you to obey the laws of you know the earthly realm that we live in. So you're not subject to 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 sin. And remember, we read this when we were uh, when when Christ said that if you are if you are walking in the laws obeying his laws then you have and and you obey his law remember the greatest commandments then you have in essence obeyed all the other laws because he said what on these two laws hang all the law and the prophets love your neighbors as yourself and love god above all others if you, if you can do those two things, and we described uh, what it was involved in loving your neighbor and how all of that, you know, meant everything else, stealing, murdering, et cetera, et cetera, lying, cheating, gossiping, so forth and so on, adultery, pornography, all those other things, right? Uh, if, if you're not doing those things, then you're pleasing God. And if you're pleasing God, you're obviously going to be pleasing uh, or, you know, addressing the, the laws of the of the world that you live in and and being so then you're dead to sin not that you're perfect right because we can't be perfect but if you're doing most of that rather than the opposite (laughs) right then you're you're not subject to that that sin in the body that that the body is is dead to sin you're not affected by it right but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And that is, in essence, what we're talking about here. 
Uh, and going back to that, that other verse, verse 6, spiritually minded is life and peace. And so he recaps here in verse 10. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. So we said we're going to go to verse 13. Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify, mortify, kill, put off the deeds of the body, then ye shall live. So really a repetition of what was said in the introductory verse. But how do we know that this is related to carnality? Uh, because really the emphasis throughout all of these scriptures, right, have been about the spirit. And we see that if we're too carnal, too fleshly minded, and all of that is where our efforts, our efforts, our emotions, our observance, our actions are, then those become the idol. That becomes the idol. All of that fleshly stuff becomes the idol. So let's go to Colossians, where I had uh, wanted to direct us to. Um, Colossians 3, uh, verses 5 and 6. Mortify, there's that word again, kill off, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. And now, what are those members? Fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affections. There's that inordinate affection, idolatry. That's what idolatry is, an inordinate affection or worship of those things, all of those other things, activities, behaviors of the world, secular, bodily, etc., that we just talked about, putting them above the effort that you're putting into serving God, pleasing God, following his laws, obeying his commands, developing your spirit through reading the word of God, studying the word of God, and in prayer, in prayer, in prayer, evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry. At the end of the day, comes right back to it. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. There it is. You ask yourself, why is she talking about carnality, idolatry, when we're supposed to be talking about the rapture and the second coming? Well, here it is. We last week talked about the definition of wrath and the wrath of God. And if you wish not to receive the wrath of God, verse 6 makes it clear. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. For which things? The things that were mentioned in verse 5. It's because of those things comes the wrath of God on the children of disobedience. Do you want to be known? as a child of disobedience, 
or a child of God. Colossians 5. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did I say five? I meant, I meant the, five, the, the fifth verse. I'm sorry. It's reading five. So we just saw that covetousness equal to idolatry. All the, all the feel-good stuff. All the greed. Because you've got to feed into that. You've got to spend time for it. You've got you've to buy. Right? You search it out. You plan for it. I mean, some people put, you know, you put a year into planning a wedding, right? Some people, you put a year into, you know, you're pregnant and you're planning the birth of the baby and there's a there's a year into that. There's a year into, you know, some people spend four years, six years in school. So there's, you know, that's there's six years that they're planning toward, you know, what they think is supposed to be their career. You know, all the effort, all the time, the driving, the number of hours just on the road go back and forth, right? The number of hours of study, the number of hours of, of searching out the proper this, that, or the other. Some people spend, you know, for, I can remember, you know, when I was in the world and, and going out to all the clubs and whatever, we would spend all day long planning the outfit, the hair, the shoes, you know, what you're going to wear, where you're going to go, you know, the whole plan, the whole thing, spending all of that in that effort to go out on the town, right? And then all of that, and all of that ultimately was fleeting. It's all gone. But all of that was you know, over, over everything else. And then when you're pursuing that, the, all of that covetousness and how, and how that covetousness is associated with idolatry and all of that really is about the greed, right? The, the greed, and, and I'm not talking about greed of money here. I'm talking about the greed of the, of the, of the carnal stuff, right? The greed, the greed of the carnal activities, the greed that we have, the inordinate affection, desire, to fulfill those fleshly, bodily, sensually appetites and pleasures that are mainly uh, human activities, temporal, worldly, secular, all those things that are opposite of developing this, the spirit. It's greed. Greed toward that. Not to mention what the, what the, uh, the secular world promises. Right? If you pursue all that other stuff, then you'll be happy. Right? You'll be you'll be happy. And how long does that happy last? Right? If you pursue all this other stuff, then you'll have power, money. You, I mean, one of the greatest and one of the worst <laughs> statements that I hear is "fake it till you make it." Right? So you you wear the you got the suit you got the phone you got the you know the briefcase you got the like you got the computer you got the car you got all, all this that looks good looks like you are making it but are you actually making it where does it get you all that you know climbing that ladder obtaining all those things maybe there's some power maybe there's money you know your salary might increase but what happens if it if it's gone? And look how quickly it can be gone. And at what cost? At what cost is it? So let's go uh, to Matthew. Matthew chapter twelve. And it's interesting. Uh, interesting what Matthew is saying here, uh, or retelling, I should say, right? Of uh, from what he learned from Jesus. 
Matthew chapter 12 and verse 43. And this, this is actually his retelling of Jesus' words. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finds none. And then he says, I will return into my house from whence I came out of. And when he is come, he findeth it empty and swept and garnished. Then he goes and he takes from with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked, wicked generation. Now, it's interesting that we must focus on something that most people may not have seen. It says, when this spirit, this evil spirit, this unclean spirit, was, was put out, right? You get rid of this, this one thing that you've been involved in you know uh, maybe it's i don't know workaholic shopaholic playaholic right you get rid of that one thing you sleep it out and it goes right you you figure you've you you've conquered it you're done with it you you you've you're, you've completed your ordeal with that thing that unclean spirit but the unclean spirit says i will return to that house so now it's Remember, because the devil is always trying to is always trying to conquer you, and he's not just going to walk away after you just you know get away, devil, move out, right? So you get rid of that one thing. The devil is now planning: how do I get back? How do I get back into that person's life? And we see it coming by way of our friends, right? Those people we associate with, commercials, you know, all the influences of society, all the pressures, blah 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 blah, right? So the devil is constantly going to try to come back. You've cleaned it out. He's going to come back out of your house, your body, your temple, or even your physical home. Right? You've cleaned this thing out. It's But now the devil is always trying to look how to get back. So he says, I'm going to go back. And when I go back, look at verse 44. I came out, and when he has come, he finds it empty, swept, and garnished empty swept and garnished so we get rid of that evil spirit we get rid of that behavior that was ungodly we kick it out we're done with it it goes away but the key thing here is if you do not fill your house with the spirit of the lord if you do not replace, put in the place of that unclean spirit, godly spirits, righteousness, love, peace, joy, forgiveness, mercy, honor to the Lord God, worship to the Lord God, spending time with the word of God, reading the word, studying the word, sharing the word, filling yourself with the word. If you do not fill the space that that unclean thing leaves, because we all know this. I mean, just think about it in your just in your just your common life. If you get rid of one activity, I don't know, 
bicycling. They say, yo, I'm going to give up bicycling. You give it up, now you now you have this empty void, right? What What's there? And if you don't find something positive, something conducive to life, to put in place of that bicycling, something negative will fill it. I mean, you know, this scripture, this one scripture is power packed. The unclean spirit leaves, you've kicked it out. But he's trying to get back. And if he's get, he gets back, it gets back. It comes back. It's coming back and finding the space empty. So you haven't filled it up. You haven't put something in place. To make because you know if you if you if you have a glass of milk and you now want water right you have to empty the milk out in order to put the water in so if you get rid of the unclean thing the carnality the sin the behaviors the fleshliness etc in your life but you do not put in the spirit of God and all of that that replaces it, then that enemy, that spirit, that unclean spirit, the devil will find a way to fill it back up, that empty space that you've left with something demonic. And he says he's going to bring back seven other spirits more wicked than himself. Okay, so you get rid of the workaholicness right i'm gonna stop working 10 10 days 10 days a week right because some people work you know just crazy 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 hours right all in in essence to do what to get all those things to satisfy all that flesh right they don't really they really haven't made the connection i mean they're working 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 hours and hours and hours why to keep the excesses in their lives, to keep all the sensual things, to keep all the entertainment, to keep all the appetites, to keep all the fleshly, worldly, secular things. They really haven't made the connection. But if you get rid of that thing and you don't replace it with the word of God, then that wicked spirit is going to find seven other more deadlier wicked spirits to bring back with it. So you get rid of being a workaholic, but you don't fill your time now with the glory of God. So what are you going to be now spending your time on? A very important message here. So when the, when, the, when, the, when the evil spirit comes back and he finds the house empty, swept and garnished, swept and garnished. So it looks good, right? It looks clean. And it's garnished. Because we dress ourselves up on the outside, a lot of a lot of dressing up on the outside, a lot of you know things that look godly, look spiritual. You know, people are you know they got the cross, they got the wreaths, they got this and that and the other order. You know, all this to, to try to give the the impression. You know, remember we read some time ago about that outward appearance that got that Jesus talked about. Outwardly, you're clean, white, but you're whitewashed tombs with dead men's bones inside. How many of our own houses, our physical houses, look good on the outside, but there's a lot of chaos on the inside? 
A lot of uncleanness on the inside. A lot of dead things on the inside. Lord have mercy. How much of our bodies look that way? Look, we, oh, we look good. Our hair's good. Our, you know, we got everything, jewelry, dress, clothes, shoes. Everything looks good on the outside. But what is on the inside? Disease, dead bones in our spirit and our emotions. I didn't really mean for this study to go this long, I promise to you. But um, the Lord is good, and he gives us a lot of information that we need. So finally, James 1, verse 22 through verse 25. But, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. See, that's that fake it till you make it, right? You're really deceiving your own self. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, so you hear the you hear the word, you hear the laws, you hear the commands, but you don't do it. He is like an un he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. This is the thing. You you're dressed up. Everything looks good on the outside. You've heard the word. And as soon as you leave the church, you're cussing and fussing. Right? Because something didn't happen on the inside. You look at yourself in the mirror and you say, oh, I'm good. I'm good. I look good. Everything's good. And when you walk away from that mirror... You forget, oh, I look good on the outside, but something's not happening on the inside. Forget what manner of person, what manner of man you are. James also, um, in verse 8 earlier, in the same chapter, chapter 1, and verse 8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Double-mindedness. We talked about this before. And finally, verses 12 through 16, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to him that love him. That crown that we read about in Revelation, the right robe that we would receive. And let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither he tempteth any man, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren, for every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, who with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So it is important to see that that simple, carnal behavior, attitude, action, time that we spend so much effort on, the sensual, worldly, secular, sensual, human, bodily functions, appetites, passions, all that effort that we spend in 
shopping, working, all that other stuff, and not putting in the time to develop our spirit leads us to the idolatry and the covetousness that was listed in Colossians, all in an effort to get us to that wrath. And James here reminds us that it's not God that is giving you that temptation. But we read in Colossians that unclean spirit. And and if we are tempted, and here's a key point in verse 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Your own lust. All those, all those sensual, carnal, fleshly, worldly, secular appetite, passions, things that are, are making you worship them over God. Because no, no one can make you eat the apple, apple pie if you don't really like apple pie. No one can make you kill someone else if you really don't want to kill. No one can make you lie. If you didn't already know how to lie and don't want to lie. So many times, you know, the people around Hitler and other evil despots said what? I was only following orders. I was only following orders. But can someone make you persecute, torture, maim, betray? someone else if you didn't already want to do it somewhere deep down on some level you decided that that was the better thing to do so if the devil tempts you he's tempting you with something that you already desired that greed that covetousness that idolatry Wanting all those carnal things, being in those carnal activities, spending all that time on those carnal things. You're drawn away of your own lust and enticed. And then when the lust is conceived, when it's in your mind, when you've thought about it, when you've looked at it, right? Because God, Christ said, if you look on a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery. So if you looked, you looked at the enticing thing. You've taken it into your mind. Now, you know you, you know how it is. You, you hear that commercial, and then you're in the store. You don't really know why you're buying the things because that thing is in your mind. From that com- it was put in there from the commercial. You're entertaining. It's back in your subconscious. And then when you're in the store, you buy the darn thing. You don't, why, why did I pick this up? Right? Because you thought about it. You conceived it, and it brought forth the sin. And then sin... When it's finished, brings forth death. Because ultimately, that's what Jesus said. So, all of this is how do we get to the rapture? How do we avoid the wrath that we spoke of last week? And if we have not cleared this up in our minds, then how are we going to be able to recognize when the rapture comes if we are engrossed in involved in only thinking about flesh fleshly things fleshly activities all that sort of stuff that is going to keep us blinded to the light of truth 
which is Jesus the Christ. It is going to keep our ears stopped up from hearing the trumpet call of the Lord God. We are drawn away by our own lust. In order for us to recognize the rapture, to see the second coming, to be 100% sure that we are not going to receive the wrath, we must think about these scriptures that we've read tonight. So now we can go on tomorrow and we can study the rapture and the second coming. And so we will be looking at scriptures from Matthew 24. We'll be looking at scriptures from Daniel 12. And we'll be looking at scriptures from 1 Thessalonians 4. Uh, and we will compare them to Revelation 19. We will also look at Isaiah 19, uh, Revelation uh, 4, 5, 6, 20, and 3. There'll be some, uh, obviously, that we'll be repeating there. Uh, we'll be looking at 1 Corinthians 15 and 51. We'll be looking at Hebrews 11, 5, 2 Kings 2, 2 Chronicles, and 2 Corinthians 12 and 2, John 3 and 13. So these are some of the scriptures that we will review tomorrow, uh, and we will try to determine and discuss the rapture versus the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How can we distinguish the rapture from the second coming? Is it important to make that distinction? And how can we make sure that we will be there when the rapture comes? How will we make sure that we can hear the trumpet and we can see the glory of God by eliminating, removing, and diminishing this carnal, fleshly life and desire that keeps our eyes covered and our ears stoppered? Praise to the Lamb of God. And until then, be blessed. Tomorrow, Saturday, 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time for the live broadcast of Basically, It's Biblical.